0: Hey, everybody. On this week of Guys Talking Sports, we talk a little bit NFL talk with Tua getting the starting nod over Fitzpatrick and what's going on in Dallas Cowboys. Trouble in Big D. Also, we talk about college football and how it's looking after the first month with the Big Ten about to come on deck. And we talk about the NBA with some new coaches in different places. All of that and a little bit more on this week of Guys Talking Sports. everybody, welcome to another edition of Guy Talking Sports. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on this weekend. We've got uh, a little bit of football, a little bit of baseball with the World Series, and uh, a little bit of, I guess, non-drama in the NBA. But, you know, there's always a little something to go with the NBA. But uh, this is us. This is our weekly show, and we're about to get right into it. But before I start, I want to say what's up to my two co-hosts, Alan Ace. How you fellas doing tonight?
1: Good. Wednesday, halfway through the week, let's finish out strong.
2: Um, terrible, terrible man. It's just been a plethora of incidents that just kind of set me back, but I digress. I am glad that I'm here and ready to get started.
0: Yes, and you sit in the presidential suite, El Presidente suite,
1: exactly. So take that stress, roll with it, yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, nah, I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I just got to clean up some messes that are happening in this over office. So I got to take care of that. So
1: no
0: shit.
1: I got to watch CNN
0: this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, who knows? Maybe after, you know, November 3rd, I'm going to have to, you know, de-Lysol and sanitize and spray off everything.
2: You know, I said, "Burn it all down, man!" Go back up. I, I, I figured you was gonna
0: include that into the mix. <laughs> it
1: down.
0: Wouldn't have been the first, but I, I, I don't want to digress, and I don't want to get us this flag for anything, and, <laughs> and ha, have the feds all up in my ass. But uh, <laughs> exactly. so let's get right into it. You good? I'm here. You
2: good, man? You go, ahead. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Let's get right into it, man. NFL is definitely um, going into it. Week six, no, Split week six now, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe so. Is it week six or week five? Week 7 week oh, six, we're going week to week 7 yeah. week going into seven.
1: week seven. Yeah, it's
0: week yeah. six going into week seven. Yeah, so Crazy, it's, right? <laughs> Yeah. was <it's laughs>
1: flying yeah. by. It's so, so um, <laughs>
0: So we're going to get right down to, we're going to go right down to Florida and Miami-Dade County where the Dolphins have decided to go with um, Tua Tungavalova, the uh, fifth round pick out of this past year's draft and decided to sit uh, Fitzy down a lot sooner than what some people would have thought. And we all know Fitzpatrick, he comes in, he's been a journeyman quarterback that's been where? Tampa Bay, uh, he's been with the Jets. Now with Miami, I mean mm-hmm. the Buffalo Bills. I mean, you name it, he's been there. <laughs> and the one thing that Fitz does, he knows how to sling the rock. And and from all um, from all the stats that was showing, Fitz was having probably one of his better years this year. And the Miami Dolphins were right in the mix. But um Coach Flores decided that he wanted to um, you know, switch gears and go right with Tua. Um, so, guys, um, do you think that the move to Tua is the right move or do you think they might have pulled the trigger a wee bit too soon?
1: I think it's too soon. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, you got a high draft pick in the first round and you ain't trying to have him sit the entire year, but in the same sense, you really have the opportunity to make the playoffs with the AFC East not being so elite, especially with Buffalo showing some some chinks in their armor, Miami actually has a decent chance. And I'm not saying that the offense that they may have created with Tua couldn't get them there, but you got a known commodity uh, in Fitzmagic and sometimes you just gotta roll the dice. Now, if you roll the dice, And you crap out and he manages to be like four and five and five and five. But Buffalo is only, uh, I don't know, 73. Uh, I guess you could roll the dice and see if Tua can provide that spark. But right now, you know, I feel for Fitzmagic. This is the first time I ever could say I could feel for him. Because obviously, you know, most teams that he went to is this was him and a bunch of bums. And um, he just so happened to be the best bum. And, uh, he was good. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just doing the best out of all the bums. Uh, but he's actually, you know, legitimately playing some pretty smart football, pretty heavy football. And I, I kind of feel sorry for him. I, feel like I, I really kind of feel bad. But congrats to Tua. I hope he does well in this. Uh, I'll be watching Miami to see how this, this squad is going because right now they're three and three. We got 10 games left. If Tua can lead them to the promised land, which is the playoffs, then they may, you know, Flores might be on to something, but I don't know. I'm, I'm hesitant.
2: I will say this. Um, if they do mess up, I mean, well, if they, you know, for whatever reason doesn't work out, um, Tua is not going to be to blame for this. Flores is going to be the blame for this um, for the most part. Well, yeah, for the most part because to make this change now um, after you're evaluating it, I really don't get it because it's not like they said. It's not like you're 0-6. It's not like you're the Jets right now and don't have a sense of direction. I mean, you actually was playing well. You won two, two games with Fitzmagic under the belt. So, like, two straight games, I should say. They're three and three, but they won two straight games. So my thing is, is that why would you halt that make changes now while you're in the middle of a winning streak? Now, like A said, if Tua comes in and they continue to streak and they're still moving on and they make the playoffs, so be it. Nothing's going to be said. It was just that Flores did what he made the right call. But... If things drop and they lose, like, six or seven, you know, five or six games straight, then it's going to be a problem. And fans is going to – they're not going to look at Tua for this. They're going to look at management and be like, yo, why did y'all do this in the middle of the season? So, if it was planned, you know, I I think Fitzmagic – I'm going to keep saying Fitzmagic. i say say Fitzmagic was doing what, they, what he can and had a an legitimate shot to win the AFC East, if Buffalo continues to fall, continues to fall and lose games, so it was just basically between Buffalo and the um, Miami. So it's, I'm, I'm, time will tell. Bottom line, time will tell if this was the right move or if it was the wrong move. But if it was the wrong move, critics is going to criticize that more than if it was the right move.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I mean. I thought it might have been a bit too soon but you know how this goes. I mean, you know, high, you know, high draft pick um comes in. We've seen this many times again to, you know, Fitzpatrick has been in this situation before. Um, but this is how it goes. I mean, I think back to when the Giants drafted Eli Manning with the first round pick and they had um oh, his name went right out of my head. Um, Kurt, I mean, uh, Kurt, no. Uh, Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. Yeah. And they were like at five and four, and they weren't doing bad, but they weren't doing great. But they were kind of like in the mix, and they decided to turn a page, go with um Eli Manning, and he took his bumps, and but it worked out for them over the long run. Um, it worked out for Kurt too. Uh, well, yeah, and um, but, <laughs> but we've seen it where you know we've seen you know play you know quarterback sit. I mean, we saw Patrick Mahomes; he sat behind. Um Alex Smith. Alex Smith took him to the playoffs. And they got beat. And he and they still let him go. And you want Patrick Mahomes the next year, and he got right in that car and kept that thing humming. If not, ran it probably a little bit better. So I mean, there's and then there's cases where you throw guys right into the fire and then they're either gonna sink or swim. I you know, I guess maybe Miami must have saw enough. Um with Fitzpatrick to say, hey, this is his plateau. This is where he's going to go. You know, eventually with Fitzpatrick, it's like, you know, crack. You get that real high of highs, and then when you come down, it's low. (laughs) So, but I agree with you. I mean, for the the veterans that are there, you're right in the mix. You're at three and three. Nobody in the AMC East is pulling away. It's still a gettable division. I mean, like you said, Buffalo – may not be as great as some people advertise, but they still have room for improvement. I think they're going to be right there come playoff time. But that division is still wide open. And um, if I'm a veteran player, this might be my last two years. I'm like, I want a chance to go now. If you're switching to the young cat, I don't think I'm going to have the same amount of confidence that we're going to make it to the playoffs with Tua that I may have with Fitzpatrick because he's been there. So now you're just switching gears. But I think eventually it's going to happen. I thought they might have waited until later on down in the season when they realized they weren't in there, and then you throw the kid in there and kind of get some reps with them, maybe like the last, you know, three or four games of the of the season. But I guess they said, I guess that hip and everything is good, and they're going to throw him in. And I mean, yeah, he came in on mop up duty, and um, last game and threw like two passes. But it's a like, hey, kid, this is you. <laughs>
1: I would have rather they waited, but, I mean, they're going against Aaron Donald. <laughs> they could have uh, just waited one more game. <laughs> Week nine, maybe. But I guess they figured if they're going to lose, they'd rather lose with two or than lose with <laughs> <for> Patrick. <laughs> but then this
2: this next game with the, against the Rams is going to be telling because if that is the case and if they win, there's no harm, no foul. But if they lose, again, the critics is going to come after them and be like, was it really okay for you to do it then? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I mean, the last game it was against the Jets. So yeah, of course you're gonna put two in in the you know, like it's against the Jets. So it wasn't like it was a close game. They already knew that they was winning. It wasn't it wasn't like the Jets was gonna stop or come back. So that would have been the perfect opportunity to put two in and to evaluate him. I wish they would have put him in more than just those those couple of plays, but you know, to really see what what Miami fans were See, I mean, what the people can see into a um, – alpha, of, just not off of those – just not off of just a couple of passes, but a couple of series or maybe that period or half of that period or something like that um, where you're going to have to see more. And then we could have evaluated from there. But overall, I think doing this against the Rams is going to be very interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I mean they are entering in their bye week, so I guess it's going to give him an extra week for him to prepare and get everything ready. So I mean we'll see. I mean he's either going to sink or swim, and you know if he does bad, um, you can't you can't not bench him and put Tula back. I mean and put Fitzpatrick back in unless Tula gets hurt. And if he gets hurt because of he wasn't ready, then I think you know management and the coaches are really going to have some questions to answer. But at this particular point, you let him. I guess they're going to just let him <laughs> take his lumps and then. It's going to be um, what it is. Yeah.
2: You think think Fitzpatrick, you think Fitzpatrick is going to be gone after this season?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If if Tua shows some sort of whatever, well, you know what? Sink or swim. No, I mean, like sink or
2: swim. Like, if he doesn't play up to par, you really think, regardless of the fact, you think that um, Fitzpatrick is going to be gone?
1: Gone meaning not starting or gone meaning not with Miami?
2: Gone, meaning not with Miami.
1: I think he sticks around for one more season.
0: Interesting. He, yeah, I don't know whether what kind of contract he's on, but the, yeah, but apparently he seemed pretty hurt by the by, by the move. So, yeah, but, my yeah. opinion, I think he, I, I think he rolls
2: and go where. And that's a, I mean, I, that's what I was saying. Like it's similar to like the Kurt Warner thing, like you said with the Giants. Like I think that at that at that stage. You're going to get to the point where I'm like, well, if you're going in this direction, then I might as well just see what my chances are someplace else, where I may get a better opportunity to start.
1: So. But you can't, you can't put Fitzpatrick and and Kurt Warner in the same because before Kurt Warner went to you know he led St. you know St. Louis.
2: No, no, I'm saying from the mindset of. I've been starting these games. with not like we have a winning record. We're a pretty decent team. We can do things more. It's not on me that this is the way it is right now. Now all of a sudden you're bringing in Tua in place of me. If it was like I'm 0 6, then by all means, yeah, we're not doing anything offensively to to get this to win games. I get that. But if we're three and three and having won last the last two games, like. The question I'm having is, is that why do this now? Meaning that you really don't put that much trust in me. Meaning that maybe I should look elsewhere and get on a team that will put a lot more have more confidence in me than you do right now.
1: Yeah, actually.
0: Yeah,
2: I, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not putting them on the same pedestal as Kurt Warner. I'm just saying, like, from a mindset, like he's really hurt by this bottom line and. If he's hurt by it, that's going to affect his free agency of whether or not he's going to stay with Miami or whether he's going to leave Miami.
0: My guess is he'll – he'll I think he's going to probably play out, you know, beat it the rest of the season and try to help too along as best as he can come off season, I don't know if he's signed to another year contract, but I, it would not shock me if he goes to Miami Dolphins and just be like, Hey, release me and let me see if I can you know go someplace else where I can probably start. He keeps getting a job so there'll definitely be <laughs> somebody out there yeah. in need of his services you know as a bridge gap but you know at this particular point who knows he might just say that's he might say that's it I mean you know he's been in the that's league so since 2005 so he might you know take his chips and his winnings and you know be like you know what it's a good career but that's it.
1: I think every quarterback who comes into the league wants that opportunity to sit there and say that I led that team. Honestly, I don't think Fitzpatrick ever had the opportunity to sit there and say, we're giving you the keys to the car. This is your squad. And let's ride. It seems like he's always been a stopgap kind of dude. And I think this is the first time he ever felt like I could legitimately lead this. Well, I guess it's tenure at the Jets, because uh, he did. He was the starting QB there for about a year and a half for the Jets when they went to the playoffs. But I don't know for sure if it was his keys or he was the backup, and the starter was shitty. Was it Geno? It was the start of the time and they decided to go with Fitzpatrick and they let Gino go and he just kind of ran with the show. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh
0: I don't I don't know. That's a good question. Um I don't know the particulars, but he was there for about two seasons, so
1: and then they just let him go once they got uh what's his name?
0: Darnold. Yeah. Uh, might be I can't remember, but yeah. yeah, but I but I agree with you. He's always he going got- to stop cap quarterback. I mean, I stop gap player for um, for quarterbacks like they kind of bridge in between until someone gets ready. Um, he'll probably someone will probably look for him to be a, a backup because he's a competent backup. Um, I'm pretty sure the Cowboys wish they kind of had him. <laughs> Um, yes, um as that's next? a
1: nice yes,
0: we <laughs> as we segue into that to, to that um to that team. But I will say I'm with you uh, ace he hasn't probably had a, a chance to say this is your squad since maybe the Jets. Um but um I think at a particular point in time it's a young man's league. I don't think there's any team in the league that's gonna sit there and give them the keys to the you know, to the to the franchise for any particular amount of years. They might give it to him for a year until like a Patrick Mahomes kind of deal, but
1: right, right.
0: I think he'll always be in that situation where he'll be playing and then they're going to bring somebody up and then eventually, because this always seems to happen.
1: Well, to me, it would make even more sense to do what Kansas City did with uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and uh, Andy Smith. Alex Smith. Alex Smith. You know, Alex Smith ran the show for the 15 weeks. They gave Mahomes the last start of the season, just to say, get your feet wet. Alex Smith went to the playoffs, they lost, and then they said, all right, here's the key, sir. You know, almost like a, almost like a a stealth type, stealth type effect. You know, like, we're giving you a little taste, so you know what the machine is going to be, but you have no idea how good the machine will be once he has it all to himself. You know, it's a very vanilla game, just to say that they had some film on him. But now look at Patrick Mahomes, two and a half years into the league once he's been starting, and he's killing it. I'm not saying that Tua would have had the same effect, but Miami's still within the playoff one.
2: True. True. And just for reference, you was right. Um, Gino Smith um, started 2013, 2014. And then Fitzpatrick came after in 2015 and 2016.
1: Yep. And he would have probably started in 2015 if old dude didn't break his jaw, but I digress. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yeah. And there, and there, was a bridge, there was a bridge gap on twenty seventeen because before Sam Donald came in, um Josh McCow was starting oh, in
1: twenty seventeen. Yes, good old Josh McCow.
0: And yes, Fitzpatrick, the quarterback that you always want to, to keep the engine running while your starter or someone is ready to go. But as I said, um, maybe the Cowboys could have used them because right now the Cowboys are two and four at the top of the NFC East, which is which is very putrid at this point. Um, but Dallas Cowboys, after um, after losing Dak and having Andy Dalton step in, got the brakes beat off them. Bad by the Arizona Cardinals to the point where Kyle and Murray only threw the football you know, maybe I'm mistaken nine times or had nine completions in that game they ran the rock right down their throats um, so my question is was that really a bad Cowboys team or was that just Arizona's defense really making them look that bad?
1: I think it's a combination of both but I also think it's a combination of Dak knowing what he had from an offensive standpoint, or at least from an offensive line standpoint, and understood the limitations that he had, and was still able to flourish. You know, our boy, Sean, always talked about, you need to watch the games. Dak is always coming back and blah, 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 blah. Well, it seems as though this game was no different than any other game that Dallas played. Only this time, there wasn't no coming back from this particular quarterback. You know, so this seems to be Dallas' MO. And Dak is just doing what Dak has to do because he has no choice but to do what he's doing because they don't have the luxury to run Ezekiel Elliott 25, 30 times a game because they're always playing from behind. And you can't, blame, you can't blame the offense on that. That's strictly a defensive thing. Now, if you want to put blame on the offense, you want to put blame on the offensive line. Yeah, the quarterback from this week showed you the, the flaws of the offensive line. But the quarterback that was there the previous week showed you the same flaws of the offensive line, but was able to adapt and make things happen. So I'm going to go ahead and drop my gavel. Oh!
0: <laughs> oh man. Now for um, course the the floor is yours. <laughs> uh there is
2: no gavel here. Uh, I I agree it was it was a tell of two teams that they saved. Um and it was funny because we were talking about like even though Andy Dalton was passing a lot in, in that game and he was passing a lot um what was up with them now, I mean I get it, it's Arizona's defense, but for them not to utilize Ezekiel Elliott that much. He only ran for 12 carries for 49 yards. So, like, for that, to be honest, I don't even think that it's really the offense that they should be really concerned about. Their defense really needs some, uh, definitely needs some improvement, Um, because it seems that they can't stop the run for nothing. And It just shows that they really need to work. And let's get this out the way in regards to Dak and Andy and all that stuff. You know, Andy Dalton is a quality quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But Dak has a a knack for being clutch at the right time. That's how the Cowboys got some of their wins last season because Dak and Ezekiel, they had that combination of playing to their strengths where – it's done enough for them to get some of those wins. Right now, they have no identity at this stage. And it's a combination where Arizona just came in at the right time and knew exactly what to do to get them to the point where it wasn't even a close game. Like, it just felt like it was just – and you have to see the game to experience it. And Dallas Cowboys fans can talk to their blue-in-the-face, like, I think Dak helped erase some of the mistakes that could have been made. Like there's a difference between Andy Dalton leading the offense and Dak leading the offense. Andy Dalton, as good as a, uh, not saying that's great, but as average as the passer that he is, it's not going to be enough. There's going to be some times where he's going to have to escape and he doesn't have that escapability like Dak does. So I think at this stage, Cowboys really need to take a step back and identify what it is that they're trying to do. Bottom line, they have so many ta- they have so much talent, but yet they cannot get the job done.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, you saw what the game last week against the Giants, and you saw the game against this week more glaringly with the Cardinals. And to me, the Dallas Cowboys football team are are, are they're not a, they're not a completely awful team, but they've just been decimated so much with injury, especially on the front line. Now you're seeing that Dak was able to mask a lot of the deficiencies, even from week one, yeah. even going back to last year, he was able to mask a lot of deficiencies. But I mean, you have Zeke coming in and dropping a rock two times, um, which, caught, which led to 14 points, um, drop passes in the end zone, drop passes all over the place. And then, I mean, when you just got, you know, Kenyon Drake um, just running a rock down your throat. I mean, right. it was nothing they can do about it. And then the defense has always been the weakest. The defensive line was halfway decent, but it was always the back in the secondary that was the weakest link. Mm-hmm. Now you got both, you know, from front to back looking terrible. Offensive line is, is decimated. So everybody's playing like trash. You see, Dak was the only shining thing. I mean, yes, a lot of it's, his, a lot of his um, points were empty calories, but at least he got you back into the mix. The defense will put you in such a deficit. Well, let me take that back. The offense will have turnovers, but the defense was not that good to absorb those deficits and allow those turnovers to either be zero points or three points. No, they would be like, before you know it, it's like they're down 21 points. And um, yeah, they might have had those turnovers, but the defense – whether you got a long field or a short field, you got to do your best to limit them to at least three points or zero points. But they just couldn't stop them. And it just went from bad to worse. And so, like you said, I mean, I mean when Dak and Zeke got there, they had probably ar- arguably the best offensive line in the NFL. And they had the offensive line in the NFL for a, a good two year, two and a half, three years. So you mm-hmm. saw that team do good. Now you see what happens when you don't have a good offensive line and you see how your running game doesn't do much. And then do you see Dak was what he was doing. What he was doing in spite of all this was damn near highly impressive. Call it what you will. You can call it empty calories. You can call it he was doing this, this, and that. But at least he was throwing some numbers up there to get his team back in positions to win. Um, so... And you put Andy Dalton in there, and he's a competent quarterback, but he didn't look that good. <laughs> I
2: mean, yeah, I mean, he had two interceptions himself. So, like, the turnovers was definitely key here. I mean, between the two fumbles and the two interceptions, um, it was it, it was amazing that, that, I mean, all Arizona had to do was just continue to play to their strengths, and that's all they did. And what's crazy about it is because Dallas had more time possession than Arizona. Like I think they have around thirty-three minutes of um of, of total, I mean, of the time of possession. So it's crazy the fact that Dallas had the ball the longest, but yet couldn't produce off of that. And like you said, it's because of those injuries. And they need to shore that up, or not shore it up, but what I'm saying is, is that they need to shore up both the offense and defense. This is this is a team collective event that they need yeah. to handle, bottom line.
0: Yeah, and this is the time where I think you might need a mobile quarterback. Um, Do I think the Dallas Cowboys would have lost this game if that Prescott was in there and not Ryan – I'm not about to say Ryan Fitzpatrick. um, Andy Dalton? I don't know. I don't think it would have been the score that it got. I think he would at least been able to move around and throw in the pocket to be able to get them a lot closer. Um, But – the Dallas Cowboys team was not that very good to begin with. I mean, but the injuries and now with this, with Dak and everything, it's it's making it is making Dak's case clear um, going into next season that you may have to pony up and pay him um, unless they do unless they completely fall off the rails and wind up with the first round pick. In that case, Dak Prescott is on his way out. <laughs>
1: Uh, they they got too many they got too many wins to get the uh, the first round pick. Uh,
0: they got two wins. So I, I seriously wins, think the Jets.
1: If, if the Jets win, I'm sorry. If the Jets do not win, they're going to take they're going to take Trevor Lawrence. They're going to grab they're going to grab Dabo, and they're going to put Darno up on the trading block, and they're going to get something like a fourth or fifth round pick for his ads.
0: I'm not saying that the Cowboys are. I'm just saying unless they, it really goes off the rails and they, mm-hmm. for some reason, wind up with the first round pick, the first pick in the draft, um, or even the second, depending on who gets the first, because the first may or may not need a quarterback. But let's just say they're in a position to get Trevor Lawrence. Um, then Dak Prescott, your tenure with the Dallas Cowboys, will be over.
2: Let's be honest. The whole NFC East is in a position to get Trevor Lawrence.
0: <laughs> and all of them maybe outside, and and outside of the Philadelphia Eagles would take them if they had to pick.
1: You don't think they'll take them? <laughs> I don't think they're sold on no boy right about now. They can drop all that crap they want. I don't think they sold them.
0: Yeah, they got they got a lot of money tied up in them. So, they, but they, they took Hertz last. Um, they took Hurts' past okay. draft. So
1: they're not gonna they're not gonna sit there and spend another quarterback with their first round pick. Three quarterbacks in the first three out of the last five years. Or four out, four out, uh, three out of the past six years, or something. I don't know how long uh, he's been in the league. If they
0: didn't draft, I- if they didn't draft Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz was still looking bad, and they wound up with the first round pick, then I would say it's yeah, probable. But right now, yeah. he's still got a lot of money on 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 the, on deck, and they took Hurts. I don't think so, but you never know, right.
2: But
1: I'm still
2: amazed the fact that yeah, data man. But I'm still amazed the fact that they're
1: gonna search you. Um, the in the, the, in the NFL.
2: NFL.
1: Go ahead. Mm. No, no, Neal. I was just
2: saying. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm.
1: <laughs> Somebody go. <laughs>
2: no, i was say. I, I, no, I was just saying that I'm just still amazed the fact that the East, the NFC East, is still the way they are. No matter what, no one is taking strides to get to even make the improvement. And I get that Cowboys is their injuries is telling. So I'm not gonna really like say anything about that. But the rest of the squad is just I'm just it, it gets to that point where you might I mean I. I I said this before. The NFC East is always going to be to a point where everybody's battling for the NFC East with a top. I was with a with an eight and eight record. That's how I see it.
0: Yeah, this is a. I haven't seen the NFC East this bad in a couple of years, but you know what? You know what? This reminds me of this reminds me of the NFC West about ten years ago when they were just bad, top to bottom. This was Mm. right. This was probably right – this is right before the 49ers got good and they had um, Kaepernick, and this is when everybody was just bad from top to bottom. They were bad for like a few, few, um, few seasons. It's like that always one division that is like in turnover mode. Yeah, and I think right now the NFC yeah. East is – flushing out. I mean, you got Daniel Jones as a new quarterback in the Giants. I don't know if they're 100% sold on him. Um, Washington, I have no idea what they're doing. They benched Dwayne Haskins. They brought in Kyle Allen. He looked bad against the Gi- Giants up until maybe like the, near the end of the fourth quarter. Carson Wentz is regressed. Dak is hurt. he probably get franchise tagged next year, but who knows what it's going to look like. It's just the NFC East right now is just, it's just in, a, in a turnover mode right now. And I think they're going to be bad probably for about another two seasons until they start getting some, you know, good players in there.
1: You know, I sit there and I look at Philadelphia, who's had some injuries, and but still had their, their starting quarterback there. And Granny get decimated with a bunch of injuries and wide receiver, skill position, blah, 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 blah. And then I look at my Niners. Same situation, man. We, our damn starting quarterback didn't even play one or two weeks, but we still managed to eke a win out, even though we might have lost one. You know, lost the game, but we're still in the thick of the thing. You know, thick of the, uh, of, the of the race at the NFC West. So, unfortunately, I understand injuries happen, but in the same sense, I ain't giving Philly no slack. I think it has a lot to do with coaching. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Carson Wentz is really regressing as a quarterback. Maybe regressing is a little tough, but maybe he's just trying way too hard where he doesn't necessarily have to try that hard. And I I just take a look at a lot of those teams. Uh, The Cowboys, no excuse. I understand that you might have lost your starting quarterback, but then you 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 create your offense where your next man up was you know your strength which is Zeke, then you start running the rock, and you run the rock to open up the pass, and they get Andy Dalton you know Andy Dalton comfortable where he can go out there and start throwing the ball. Don't think that you can sit there and put Dalton in the same situation as that because you think that Dalton has more experience and he led Cincinnati teams to the playoffs so many years in a row. Unlike our boys said at our group chat. And he should be fine, and then he looks like you know pure crap when he starts the actual game. So I'm just saying, recognize what your strengths are. Andy Dalton, there's a reason why Cincinnati let Andy Dalton. Because <laughs> <laughs> if he was still the man, they would have still just they would have still signed uh uh Joe Burrow, but they would be sitting there saying that what week. Will we be starting to borrow as opposed to let's just get rid of Dalton right here and now? So unfortunately, the GM and Jerry Jones, or his son, I should say, really did a, a piss poor job as far as finding a backup.
2: And what's crazy is because, like you said, your 49ers are three and three, and right now they're at the bottom of the NFC East, but it was in the NFC I mean, NFC West. But if it was in the NFC East. Yeah, be leading the division By like at two this days? stage. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it's 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 crazy the fact that I get where you where you're coming from at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, to be honest, I'm in completely agreement with everything you said to this point. Um, especially about Philly, Carson Wentz. I think that regressing, being, regressing is up there with him. Um, and I think he really is trying to do too much at this stage. Um, because they put a lot of faith on him.
0: I know and, why. <laughs> well, I, I'll let you explain that, did <laughs> The worst thing that could have happened for him was Nick Foles going in there and winning the Super Bowl. Yep. That was the worst thing, because prior to that, he had that team clicking. They were 11-1. and He was right up in the hunt for being the MVP of the league. He gets hurt. Nick Foles comes in, was a little shaky at the end, but he had that playoff run of all playoff runs in the Super Bowl game of all the ages. Um, And once Nick Foles brought Philadelphia their first Super Bowl win, it was like he couldn't do anything else. And now he he, he was trying his best to come back in the next season and get in there. Then he gets hurt again. Then Nick Foles take him to the playoffs. Then yeah, now they they lost in the second round of playoffs. Um, but he's chasing the ghost. And Nick Foles, I tell you, if I was still going to the office in Philadelphia right now, they would want Nick Foles, but they didn't want Carson Wentz because Nick Foles is over there balling in, in uh in in Chicago right about now. He's not throwing up gaudy numbers. He never really did. He's consistent. He plays he plays his game. He knows he knows his he knows role. Stays in the pocket. Gets the balls out and he just knows how to win and Carson Wentz like you said he's he's pressing he's pushing and and because he's because mm-hmm. he's trying to live up and eclipse what Nick Foles did and Nick Foles is God in Philly even though he's in Chicago they will want him as a starting QB right now and get rid of Wentz they actually want him to, to, to be the starting QB the next season and not bring in Wentz but you know Eagles spent that first round pick on them. They spent a lot to go up there and get them, So they needed to see, um, you know, return on their investment. Mm-hmm. They haven't seen it yet. They gave him a lot of money now, so you can't just cut bait with him without having a lot of dead cat money. So you got to try to do what you can. But that's the reason why things are not going so well. And I think Carson Wentz would do better in a different city because he's not going to be able to, he's, he's never going to, Be the person that they think he could be in Philly, on that squad, because Nick Foles took that same team won the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz got the same team back, got hurt again. He won, um, went to the second round, but Carson Wentz is still not even to get over the hump, even with the money. Now the injuries that play a lot to it, but it's that ghost of Nick Foles in Philly, and he just can't compete no matter what.
2: <laughs> and it's not even helping the fact that the Bears is five and one right now. <laughs>
0: like not at all. Kill,
2: I'm pretty sure it's killing Philly right now. The like,
0: Philly fans, they're they're crying. They want Nick Foles right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody over what the hell they got right now. Got pure trash. You, you could throw all the industry east in the damn uh, trash can.
0: It's, it's 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 a bad. It's a bad. I mean, I yeah, know why we bad, but it's it's, <laughs> but it's just bad all around. Hmm? Y'all got your first win. Against Washington, I was a little bit unsure about that one.
1: <laughs> it was touch and go
0: and they there. They could
2: have tied the game up. but they Yeah, went. yeah it was touch and go there. Definitely
0: thank goodness go. Thank goodness for Ron Vera going for the two-point conversion instead of kicking the field goal to go to overtime because who knows what would have happened.
1: Well, that's why they call him Riverboat Ron. <laughs>
0: mm. Yeah, and he crapped out on, 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 <laughs> on that one. Um, but yes, I mean, the NFL, it, it, it's going to be a wild ride. Um, we haven't even gotten to talk too many of the COVID um, cases, but I mean, just like the, um, the major leagues have pushed through and they're on their way of crowning a champion, um, football is going to push through and they're going to crown a Super Bowl champion, just like College football is pushing through, and they'll crown a college football champion. Whenever they do, um, you know the cases are still going to pop up, and you know they'll just take it, you know, one day at a time per se. Uh, but switching over to college football real quick, I do believe that the uh, Big Ten starts up football this weekend. Um, so, are any of you guys excited for um, Big Ten football starting?
1: No, nah, no, nah, because ESPN now, ESPN them pulled out their knee pads and you know they're they're on their knees and they're cupping they're cupping the the jewels right about now as they grab the joint, you know, because they're they're about to step to the mic and it's all about the it's all about the Big Ten right about now. You know, sick, sick and tired of the Big Ten SEC bias. Sick and tired of it. Tired and sick. Sick of time.
2: <laughs> no, nah, I'm not, to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not even enthusiastic right at this point. Um, it seems as though like the conferences, the majority of the conferences is, that I haven't started will be starting. So, um, the pleasure of football games is going to be definitely intriguing. Um, but for the most part, it's, it, I, I for whatever reason, it doesn't just feel the same. Um, it kind of lost its, this its umph. Um, like how it usually is with college football season start. Uh, I I don't know. It's just it doesn't feel quite the same. So I don't think that people will get too excited until, like, it gets closer to maybe playoffs or how they're going to do after a little bit closer to the end of the college football season um, where the teams lie, the rankings and everything like that. But for whatever reason, it just doesn't have that atmosphere. Um, maybe because of everything that's going on, you know, with the fewer fans and everything like that. But it's, I don't have that same, umph like I did before, like last year. So we'll see how it goes though.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Al. I mean, it's nice to see some of the college football games on there. And, and I must say, you know, it is nice to see good games early in the season instead of getting these cupcake games that these teams pad there resumes yeah. for the first two or three weeks before they start playing some real teams so it makes more in my opinion compelling games you know throughout um but I'm with you I mean I guess with college football is beginning you know beginning of September Labor Day the you know the pomp the pomp magistrate the people in the stadiums the tailgating all the hoopla that goes into it everybody's starting around the same time I mean, everything's been going piecemeal. It just doesn't feel the same. I mean, you look into some of the games, no, no people in the stands. You're watching ESPN game day. You see nobody really there. Um, it just, like you said, it just doesn't feel, you know, the same. Um, it's very muted and watered down. I mean, for, we weren't even sure we are going to really get all the conferences playing. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I'll, you know, passing fancy look because I went to Rutgers and see what they're doing. I don't really expect much from Gray Shiano this season. I mean, but I don't know. I mean, it's – I'm with you, Ace. I'm tired of the – really tired of the SEC bias, not more so than Big Ten. Big Ten is just cherry-pick Ohio State, Michigan, but it's always SEC.
1: Yeah, you're, you're part of the bias, sir. <laughs>
0: I'm more of an NFL man in college than 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 college football. Well, no,
1: no. Well, I, I'm speaking more so of your alumni uh, being a part of the conference. <laughs> so, of course, you wouldn't see the Big Ten bias. You would see more SEC bias, but there it's it's a, it's an equal portion of the Big Ten.
0: No, it's, remember now, Rutgers was in the Big East before you know once a long time ago. So, yes, there was a. It was a Big Ten and SEC bias, but over the last, what, five to seven years, it felt like it's all SEC all the time, and if you're not one of the top five in the SEC, then they were, then you're trash.
1: <laughs> See, that's the whole thing. They, they, they are trash because it's only like top five or six teams in the SEC. But it'd be the same five or six teams every freaking year, and I'm sick and tired. Well, you know, I can't be mad at Alabama. Alabama's just Alabama. But I'm tired of the other crap schools. Georgia, Florida. Auburn. <laughs> Auburn. Uh, and that's where it kind of stops. And everything else, you know, you might have a sprinkling of Arkansas. You may have a sprinkling of, I don't know, whatever Northwest school will probably show up. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Like,
0: South Carolina. It just drives me crazy when they're going into the playoff talk and, you know, you're trying to assess who's the top four teams. And it kills me when you will have, let's see, Alabama, who might be leader of their division um, or their, their side of conference. And then you have an SEC that might be right behind Alabama, not leader of the East or West, but right behind them. And they'll get more praise over, let's say West Virginia if they're winning the Big 12. Or of course. it's like how can you how can you have someone in the top four that's not even leading their conference over someone that's winning their conference? That just drives the the oh, head out. Of that's
1: me. because they lost Alabama. And because they lost Alabama, like oh they just they're good. You know, they beat everybody else, but you just can't beat Alabama. So yes, they would have to be one of the top two of four teams that are the best out there because they pretty much wipe the floor of everybody else, but you just can't seem to beat them. Or that,
0: or, you know. <laughs> or or, or the, the consistent bias over Notre Dame where they think they're gonna be, you know, college national championships every freaking year. And they're not that good. And trust me, they're not really that good this year. They're okay. gonna get they're they're gonna get smoked by Clemson when they play in what, this weekend or next weekend?
1: Oh, I won't turn into that one.
0: <laughs> they're gonna get smoked because I've watched two of their games. They are not that good. They're lucky, but they're not that good.
1: I mean, I'm calling the Irish for
0: nothing.
1: <laughs> I'm tired of Clemson not too, right.
2: You got that? but
1: at least with Clemson, you know, I don't know. I, I can't. I, I can't really fault Clemson for for being nice. They just had a nice run where. They got good and recruits saw what's going on and just want to jump on a bandwagon, you know. But uh, I, I guess this is why I like college football way more than than pro because in college football, you know, the players whine and bitch. But if they whine and bitch, they end up going to the transfer portal. And then only the select few will sit there and go to the, power five school of their choice. Everybody else has to go to some crap school or something and you never hear of them again. Unlike the NFL, you know, they whine and bitch to get out of their contract and they still wind and bitching when they go to the next squad until they whine and bitch until they out damn NFL. <laughs> you know, so it's like at least you only have to endure some whining and bitching for about a couple of weeks versus a couple of years in the NFL. But it's just a matter of just, it's, it's just so amazing to sit there and watch a Clemson You know, pretty much from the time when West Virginia waxed that ass in the Orange Bowl, that 70-33 to loss, and then from that point on to see what they've done up to now, you know, three national championships, consistent winning, it just goes to show that the constant turnover, a great job that Dabo Sweeney has done at Clemson. So, you know, I'm mad at the ACC and Clemson just because they're winning. I'm not mad at Clemson (laughs) because of their. I I don't have any bias or hate towards the ACC because outside of uh, Clemson and maybe this year, Miami and North Carolina, who do you have? Nobody. (laughs) You know, so. Well, Notre
0: Dame now, the Notre Dame is uh, ACC.
1: They trash. Like you said, they trash. You know, it's the name. (laughs) Personally, I would prefer if they just went with the top five conferences championship winner and the three at large. I know they're not gonna make everybody happy, but at least it gives you the opportunity to sit there and say you won it outright, you deserve it, regardless of record. And let your record base where you're gonna be seated, maybe. But if you if you win, you in. And then the top three teams after that, you gotta you gotta ensure a group of five squad, at least one of them, so that's six. And then you just need two other schools. You ne- it's never going to be a perfect scenario. Even with the NCAA tournament, even though they got sixty-eight teams, it's that 60-19 that sit there and is pissed off because they feel as though they should have been in before the other six, the, the sixty-eight teams. So nobody's happy.
0: But you know it all, but it, but it all at the end of the day shakes itself out where if the good teams that should win normally, outside of a lucky shot at the end. It norm they, they normally do win. Right. Yeah.
1: I agree. Yeah. But
0: yeah.
2: Like, at- no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say, unlike college football, you just need one perfect Saturday to knock off somebody. You know, just yeah. one perfect game. And that, that could be their Super Bowl. And they could get waxed the next week. But that could have been the one team, you know, uh a Northwest Indiana directional school, South Jersey, something something knocks off Alabama, uh, uh, eight versus one, and it just screws up everything else going forward. You know what I mean? But that's what—that's why we love and, and live and breathe college football, just because of the, the drama it brings, just like March Madness. Mm-hmm.
2: That is true. That is true. Now, but I kind of agree with you, Ace. If they had that set up that way, I think it would be a lot more interesting where there should be no argument there's always going to be arguments because we have the DCS and we always have the rankings and there's always going to be some type of argument, no matter what, like you said, Notre Dame's number three right now. There's going to be someone arguing that feels though Georgia should be number four, number three. So it's going to be, they like the controversy. That's the bottom line. It seems as though that they feed off the controversy. That's where the discussion is. That's where the commentaries are. Like, hey, this team shouldn't be a number three. This team shouldn't be a number four or five. Um, that's just part of their, that's just part of the the, the nature of the, the NCAA. Uh, so it, it, I would prefer them to not always utilize the same conferences, talk about the same conferences. Um, because to be honest, just because you have like the top two or three teams in the conference that may be the top 25 and they're ranked in the top 25 as the top two or three team in the, in the whole um, the NCAA doesn't mean that your conference has the best conference. Just because those two teams in the conference are ranked high in the BCS standings doesn't mean that your bottom two in the conference can be any, you know, is, is, is just as good. If anything, any team could beat, probably beat a top, the lower teams of the conferences which makes it – I don't get the, the full understanding of how powerful a conference is just because two of the teams are the top team in the BCS. I digress, though. Um, I think that at the end of the day, um, it should be, like you said, Ace, the top two or three teams battling it out of the conference. Whoever wins out of that should earn the right to go into the actual playoff system.
0: I agree. I agree, and I've been both of you, and I've been saying that for years. Even when it came out with this, you know, the playoff format, I'm like, it's not a playoff format because you're not taking the winners of each conference. I mean, you're just you're just picking the four teams that you think are going to generate the most viewership Mm -hmm. to watch those games, so you can sell the most ads, so you can sell the most money. If it was a true playoff format, then you would do what um, A said, take the conference champions from each from you know, SEC, ACC, Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, which gets no love ever since the USC has been dormant. Um, right. Sure. So, um, and then you get to at large bids and there it is. And, but the only conference that's going to be having the biggest huff, huffy puff piss, is going to be the SEC, because they're going to be crying about, it's always going to be Alabama. You're not going to see any Georgia. You're not going to see any LSU. So they're, they will be the only people that are crying, but, I agree with you.
1: A, 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 a lot big, of people
0: don't like it, but in my opinion, that's the fairest way to the, approach but, it.
1: But the big will be crying, the
0: They'll cry, will, but yeah. the SEC people be crying the loudest.
1: But you know what? I was sitting there thinking while you guys were talking, and let's say hypothetically they went ahead and said, we're going to do an 18 playoff, eight. And you take the, the five, you know, power five conferences, get one G5 school for the top G5, the top-rated G5, and then um, two at-larges. So this is say, for example, the typical O-State, Clemson, Alabama, uh, Oklahoma, and I'm going to say Oregon just because USC has been trashed or something like that. And then the top G5 school is to say it's uh, UCF just because they've been winning and claiming they were national champion 13-0. and 0. And then you have the two, two, two schools. But of course, obviously, you know, Georgia, LSU. Uh, Georgia, LSU, that's yeah, probably maybe Florida. And then obviously Texas. And then obviously... Penn State, Michigan, blah, 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 blah. And then you, they would have to pick two schools out of all of them. And then, yes, you have everybody pitching, but that's why you have the other bowl games as constellations. Yes, you're not going to get that uh, you're not going to get that elusive trophy, but at least you're not being excluded from any other type of postseason bowl game or something like that, where you at least still get to play in front of your fans and go out to be a champion of said bowl. I'm like, it's, it's, it's just not that difficult. You know, nobody's going to be happy. Even 1AA, they have their top 32, and they still don't seem to be everybody's happy. But hell, they just, they're happy with the product.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It shouldn't be like, at this stage, it shouldn't even be a position where it should be more balanced than what it is. And the fact that it's not, you know, it, it's, you know, I'm, to be honest, I'm surprised that a lot of teams don't band together to say something in that regard get the fact that the SEC is going to be talked about because of the teams that are there, but there should be other conferences at this point where they're like, look, we should at least be at a position where I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if any conferences would come out and say, look, we should be up there just as much as the SEC should be. So let, let's put something together where we put like the conferences, the top, the best of our conferences go head to go head and, you know, we could take it from there. I'm surprised that it hasn't been brought up that way yet.
0: Well, you guys have said it before. It's all about the money. It's all about the bowl games. And until they figure out a way of, in my opinion, getting rid of this archaic bowl game system, because the, to appease bowl games, you have this system that's continuously be propped up. You're not going to change, like you said. Two um, A has thirty-four has a thirty-two what thirty-two team playoff system, or whatever it is, yeah. like that. and. The product still goes good and they still win. Mm-hmm. As long as college football has the archaic, and I say archaic, bowl game things that's been going on for the last 50 to, what, 60 years, it's going to be difficult to separate one from the other. But
1: but my whole thing is you can still have those bowl games. Just use them as the playoff formats.
0: I say get rid of the bowl games altogether. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah I agree yeah, I mean, because
1: you, know, you can't have fans traveling from one state to another state every week.
0: Because you're going to have to appease and say, I need a certain Big 10 or Big 12, or I need to have a certain SEC, ACC person in these. Just get rid of it all. Just say, that's it. And say, whoever the conference champions, the hell with the bowl games. You just run with what you got. And guess what? You have more viewership people waiting to see these games instead of having 30 bowl games. And by the time you get to the college football big game, you're like, all you're done. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I agree. I, agree. I, I agree. I I think there's sometimes it is a G5 school that like can upset a P5 school is given the opportunity. You know, just like the movie said, any given Sunday, or in this case, any given Saturday, anything can pop up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, but before we wrap up, because we're almost coming up on our time, I wanted to drop into the NBA. We did see some new coaches get selected to some teams. Stan Van Gundy is um, just as recently as today is the Pelicans head coach, and um, Ty Lue is going to be the Clippers' new um, head coach. And, of course, we saw uh, a week ago where Doc Rivers found his footing with the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, So just briefly, guys, who do you think will have the biggest impact on their teams and why?
2: That's a good question. Right. That's a really good question. Um, to be honest, we... go ahead, Ace.
1: Well, no, I was going to say Ty Lue was already on the Clippers staff. So it's almost a foregone conclusion that Ty Lue has to at least get him past the second round of the playoffs to say that it was a success. And technically, you know, I guess their barometer is beating L.A. and Golden State in the playoffs. Uh, to at least meet the the NBA championship. Uh, Doc in Philly, he has a group, uh, he has a nice core, but can he find shooters? If he can find shooters, then they they might stand a chance in the East. Uh, Down in New Orleans, that's just a young squad, but they prove that they are worthy of at least getting a eighth round, uh, a eighth seed in the playoff if they're healthy and playing on all cylinders. Uh Van Gundy is a good coach. Uh, I think he can, I think he can pull that off, but unfortunately they're in the West and there's just so many good teams out there that I don't know if Van Gundy is in the in a great position where if he kind of misses out for two years or three years, he's going to be gone just because that youth is going to be going away. But the, the, the West is just so stacked. So I, I don't know. Uh, that is an excellent question. And I guess expectations are pretty high all across the board because every last one of them is pretty much a playoff bound team.
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um To be honest, if I would make it choice. I mean, I, I didn't include Doc Rivers because I already know how that's going to handle with Philly or have an idea of how that's going to handle with Philly. It all depends on what they make their changes to in on that team. If everything stays the same, I don't know if Ty Lue could actually get the Clippers over the hump because um, there's too, tome- too much chemistry issues um, with that team at this stage, and Kawhi is not really the best. <laughs> um, teammate as of say with the Clippers right now. So if I'm anybody, I'm gonna go with Stan Van Gundy, Pelicans. Um I have a feeling that he could turn that around. Um especially if JJ Reddick stays there. So I'm gonna stay with I'm gonna go with Stan Van Gundy. Um I'm gonna I'm interested to see what he's gonna do with this young squad.
1: So
0: yeah I uh I am going go with Doc. Uh, I think um the Clippers it's it's a very I think that's going to be wound up being a very toxic situation. And I have a lot of respect for Tyloo. I think he'll get them to play better. But they had so much to give up to get not just Kawhi, but Paul George that you have to win now. And if you don't win now, your future is bleak because you mortgage your whole future on getting Paul George, which I thought was a ridiculously crazy um, transaction to give up that much first round picks in the future. That Tyloo is going to be hamstrung if he's even there that long. So, um, and if they, and I think there's a lot of pressure from ownership on Doc to kind of appease um, Kawhi and Paul George so much that it alienated the rest of the team. So Tyloo going to have his work cut out there for him. But I think that um, the Pelicans, there's going to be pressure with um, Zion Williams and they're expecting Zion Williams to be the next big thing. And if he's not the next big thing within the next year or two, I don't know if Stan Van Gundy's that dude and he might be out there before, you know, very quickly. Cause I don't know, are you going to get the Orlando Magic Stan Van Gundy? Or are you going to get the Detroit Pistons Stan Van Gundy? So um, they're probably hoping for the Orlando Magic Stan Van Gundy and the Miami Stan Van Gundy um, that was there as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Doc has the opportunity to get that squad playing well. I agree with you, Hayes. He's got to get some shooters. Um, he's got to. He's really got to go to to both Embiid um, and uh, Ben Simmons. Embiid, he's got to get his um, wind up. He's got to get more in shape because he was definitely out of shape going into the bubble. And he's got to go to Ben Simmons and be like, unless you can get a jumper, even a somewhat consistent jumper, you know, then I can't use you. <laughs> because he's a liability, and when you get into a half-court game, he's ineffective.
1: I want to know.
2: I think that. I think that. I think that um, they'll figure that out. I think yeah. that. I think they will definitely figure it out. I think Doc has what it takes to figure something out in that regard. I wouldn't be surprised if they moved in Simmons like a peg. Um, where he won't play point guard knowing doc i could see him like being a small forward or power forward and just running point um so i could see some options there but i, I agree with you and guys you guys in regards to doc um i just didn't include them until i figure out exactly what they like what the roster is at this stage because until again like i said before until they sure up that bench they're not going to go far
1: i want to know. It's my favorite band, Gundy, is well to get the Houston job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jeff. Man, I like, don't I know. Thought that, I thought that job was taken already.
0: Nah, not, not yet.
1: Because it was Ty Lue, Jeff Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy, um, and somebody else interviewed.
0: I believe the Houston job is still um is still open. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. No, no, no one has taken it yet. But, I mean, my guess is they're probably going to find someone very soon because now you're getting a lot of the, you know, competent coaches taken off the board. So um, maybe they'll probably go with a, um, an, an assistant.
2: I can see that, too. I can see an assistant taking over. Um, I don't see them bring. – I'll be shocked if they bring in Jeff Van Gundy back.
1: Yeah, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson on the same bench. Uh, I just like to, be, I just like to hear them out, um, mic'd up. <laughs> that'd be, that will be comedy from the sideline perspective. <laughs> Not that didn't That is
2: going to... No, that wouldn't be bad. I mean, you still got Jason Kidd out there. You still got, um, a couple of people still out there. So, um, I just don't see Jeff Van Gunny being the, Leading candidate at this age, I would not be surprised if they bring it in here. I would not be surprised if an assistant gets hired.
1: I was shocked to see the, the assistant coach from Toronto snatch up. What, what job was that? Chicago? Not Pacers. Chicago.
2: Pacers. Pacers. Pacers.
1: Yeah, yeah. Another G League coach. Like they're starting to see, they're starting to recognize that some of these G League coaches are pretty good. Yeah. And, um, I mean,
2: they're proving their work. Yeah. Uh, I'm not mad at that. Yeah. The more success
0: at that. The, yeah. The more success that those coaches have will give, you know, you know, will give cover for a lot more of these GMs and owners going to the G League and pulling these guys out, and then they might have them sit as assistant for a year under somebody. But yeah, you'll probably see a lot more G League coaches if they do well. Right. You know, come up and come in the mix. All right, guys. So it looks like we are on our time, unfortunately. It's about 1030. So as always, we appreciate everybody listening in, listening to the podcast, whether it be Apple, Spotify, or your platform of choice. So before we go, guys, I don't know where they can find you at.
1: You can find me on Twitter. And like I said before, May 2nd, uh, <laughs> CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. Thank you.
2: And you can find me on Twitter Instagram, I am Al Qualls. Twitter Instagram, I am Al Qualls. And side note, Jeff Van Gundy is the leading candidate candidate for the Rockets head coach position.
1: And a double side note, I voted.
2: Double side note, here, so did I.
0: Uh, and on a triple side note, you can find me at um, Snapchat, Graham, and Twitter at um, J.E. Ross, the number seven. And not can- this. Oof. wow <laughs> wow wow yes um but yes as always guys as a said um please get out there and vote if you're voting early go ahead and vote if you're going to go in the day of make sure you are aware of the polling place and give yourself enough time and don't be intimidated scared by anybody saying what you should or shouldn't wear or how to vote um just vote whoever you feel be it Republican, Democrat just get out there and exercise your right to vote and as always and as always love peace and soul we out god bless have a good one